Now listen, you guys, you know what? Normal kids would have been stoked to slack off, but not you guys, because you're not normal. You're special. And because I think you guys have the right attitude, I think it's time we started our new class project. A science project? No, it's called Rock Band. Is this a school project? Yes, and it's a requirement. And it may sound easy, but nothing could be harder. It will test your head and your mind and your brain, too. Will other schools be competing? You could say that. You could say that every school in the state will be competing for the top prize. What's the prize? A win will go on your permanent record. Hello, Harvard, yo. The thing is, we're not supposed to get started until next quarter, but I think we should get a leg up on the competition, don't you? I do. Who else wants to go for the gold? I do. Yeah, I do. All right. But if anyone finds out what we're doing in here, we'll be disqualified. So let's just keep it on the down low, shall we? Can we tell our parents? No! Just trust me, they don't want to know anything about this. Keep it zipped. All right, you guys, let's kick it into overdrive. What are the rest of us supposed to do? You just sit back and enjoy the magic of rock. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 218, School of Rock. I'm not ashamed to admit that during the end credits I was uh, getting a little choked up. I enjoy this movie. I wasn't getting choked up, but I let them play and I was rocking out. Yeah, (laughs) Just a fun time. If you don't like School of Rock, you should be killed. Now, I have to say... (laughs) End of story. (laughs) I haven't watched this movie start to finish a ton of times in my life. I think I only, like, start to finish it, only watched it, like, one time. But I put the scenes... Yeah, I know. You're shocked. I saw this in the theater, like, three times. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It seems strange, like, these random Linklater, like, kind of mainstream movies that are just thrown into the mix. Yeah. The fact that he did this, and then, I, I mean, Bad News Bears had to only be a couple years after this, right? Yeah, I think it was, like, 05 or 06 yeah. or something. I think Bad News Bears is, like, Linklater's favorite movie. So that he did? No, no, no. Oh, oh. Um, the original. And then, okay, so yeah. he wanted to do it. They do tone down some of it, but it is almost like a, a shot-for-shot remake. Yeah. The scenes are almost identical in a lot of instances. Well, Bad News Bears, it has that thing that we were talking about on the Slapshot episode a little bit. Sports going hand-in-hand hand with, like, cigarettes. <laughs> That's yeah. the vibe that that I get from it. Yeah, I mean, they did change a few things. Like, at yeah. the end of the Linklater one, it's, like, non-alcoholic beer that the kids are drinking and stuff like that. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, School of Rock, probably Linklater's biggest mainstream hit in a lot of ways. I don't think people generally associate this work with him. I think most people think like Days and Confused, the sure. Before Trilogy, Boyhood, stuff like that. But yeah, he did go mainstream with this one. 
One of the things that's sort of weird about this movie, and it actually becomes like a thing in the movie if you pay attention, is the title. Because the original title was The School of Rock. It says The School of Rock at the beginning of the movie when you, okay. when you start it. But it is changed to School of Rock. That's where you, you know, on the cover of the movie and when it was in theaters and on IMDb or Wikipedia, whatever. It's School of Rock. That's right. And then in the movie itself, when the kids unveil that t-shirt it just says school of rock but jack black keeps saying the school of rock yeah that t-shirt is cool it's so weird it's like they couldn't decide it's almost like justin timberlake (laughs) yeah i I know i was gonna go for that (laughs) drop the the i feel like that was probably a conversation that was there was a meeting that's right at paramount they were like let's get rid of the the it's cleaner they had a lunch (laughs) but we're going with school of rock and we're of course talking about the 2003 film not the Broadway musical or the later television adaptation on Nickelodeon, which aired for a couple seasons Whoa. starting in 2016. No idea. Not on my radar at all. Yeah, I didn't know about it either. Although it would be kind of weird if we did know That's that there true. was a, a show on Nickelodeon in 2016. <laughs> well, yeah. At this point, we're past that era, I think, of knowing what's on Nickelodeon. That all demographic. The time. Unless it's like bug juice related. Usually if there's something like Disney. coming back, something that catches it. That's right. I mean, we did catch well, that different. reboot episode of bug juice. <laughs> we all have like Google news alerts on our phones for bug juice related material. <laughs> <laughs> We're going back to Asiata. All right. So before we talk about School of Rock, let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Of course, that's important. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Podbean or any of the other random places this thing's hosted. And if you get a chance, it would be very cool of you to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, preferably of the five-star variety, if you are so inclined. We do enjoy that. We also enjoy the candor on there. (laughs) Nice to get the open and honest feedback. Sometimes the reviews are a little confusing, but okay. (laughs) we'll just leave that yeah i don't know but sometimes we need a little bit of our uh, ass clown community to step up and balance out some of the weirdness that pops up on there yeah (laughs) it's possible yeah that's questionable though too sometimes less is more and if you're so inclined you can also follow us each on letterboxd zach1983 and matt crosby we're keeping the party going on there yeah, I mean, I'm moving at a snail's pace compared to you, but I'm trying. There's a lot of nights where I check in a movie, but when you're doing four a day, there's just no... Yeah. It's hard to even live in a world like that. <laughs> it's strange, and I think we've talked about this before, like the weekends, I don't generally add as many, because I've got other stuff like doing this podcast and oh, then yeah. editing it, but during the week, during work hours, the nine to five work hours, I'm logging like four, and then at night... Eh, maybe not any <laughs> it just depends <laughs> and finally let us know if you would like a sticker and you can let us know on twitter hit us up we'll send you a sticker for free promote the podcast no strings attached on that yeah no commitment to anything find somewhere good to stick it <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'll find somewhere good that's right so this is our first i want to say family movie in a while yeah, I, and I by don't family, know. I just honey, mean I shrunk not the kids comes to mind. I don't know what else is in this category. Home Alone, okay, D two. Oh well, yes, we'd be going very far back for that. Bug Juice, that's right. 
I guess that has to be the most recent. Yeah, that wasn't a movie. But yeah, we mix in some of the non-R-rated material from time to time, or even if it's you know a TV show, the more kid-based entertainment, stuff from our sure. youth. Although by the time this came out, I was already in college. But like I said, I did see it three times. I was in love with it immediately. I, I thought it was great. I was in high school, and I, I wasn't really rushing to see it. You I'm probably sh- thought you were too cool for it. Yeah, and you were wrong. Right, definitely. It was something that I look back on with regret now. But obviously, no idea Richard Linklater was the director until years later. In I fact, don't think I didn't realize that either. I can remember when I found out just by scrolling through IMDb and looking. You know, there's a certain time period in my life where I was just like going on this journey of yes. searching all these people on IMDb and seeing what the. And I'm like, wow, that is so weird. Because obviously, I love Days and Confused, and I was just like, that's so weird that he did that movie. Yeah. Well, the rest of us have gotten over it. Yeah. <laughs> we've, well, we've I, accepted it. I was just, that was past Matt that was reacting to it. I've come to terms with it. So School of Rock, as mentioned, directed by Richard Linklater, who our listeners would hopefully know from Days and Confused and things like that. It was written by Mike White, oddly enough, who wrote the recent episode, not recent episode, but the episode <laughs> of Freaks and Geeks that we covered recently, right. which is just a coincidence I didn't really realize that when I selected that episode of Freaks and Geeks. I knew we were going to get to School of Rock soon. Mike just, White's like scrolling through the feed and is just like, yes, what, this is, is these are my guys. Is this a podcast dedicated to me? We're doing Orange County next week. Yeah, right. So yes, he wrote Freaks and Geeks. He's written a lot of other stuff. I think he's directed stuff too. As mentioned, he's doing that new HBO miniseries with Sidney Sweeney and Alexander Daddario. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> He's kind of got like a Chris Elliott look a little bit. Kind of. Kind of. He also did Orange County with Jack Black the year before. Now, I want to get in the time machine and go back to those early 2000s days. Please. Coming out of High Fidelity, which I, what was that, 2000 when that came out? Seems about right. Something like that. It seemed like Jack Black was going to be the next big comedy star in the same vein as like Adam Sandler or Eddie Murphy or people that would carry a bunch of movies. And this was all based on just a supporting role in high fidelity, but Jack Black had been bouncing around. He's in some movies in the nineties and stuff. He's in some TV episodes. He steals the show as they say in high fidelity, but it seemed like it was time and then cut to sort of a disappointing run of things that didn't quite hit the way that people expected. Orange County being chief among them. That's right. It's an okay movie. It's not particularly funny or great. I think it probably has a cult following. Yeah, I I don't feel like it's a very memorable movie. Saving Silverman, which I do think is a hilarious movie. Saving Silverman has some great jokes in it. And Jack Black is super funny. Him and Zahn together, just unbelievable. But that movie was not a hit and did not make money. It was not turning into what people thought. Yeah. And if anything, in that, he's kind of going back to his roots as being like the third dude. Yeah. I would say, though, that out of this time period, and yes, I am including Shallow Hell. Okay. School of Rock is the definitive solo star performance of Jack Black's whole career. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about it off mic, of course, but from the second this movie starts rolling, you're like... There's no way this movie would even exist if he didn't exist. You just can't picture somebody else doing this role. Yeah, I believe Mike White 
lived next door to Jack Black when they were young and starting out, it feels like it was kind of written specifically for him because who else could do this? I know, but it also kind of feels like he's playing himself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just don't, I don't think you could stick anyone else in this part and have it work like this. Yeah, yeah. There's just some charm about Jack Black especially him interacting with kids where like I think a lot of adults especially in like what is supposed to be lighthearted comedy can like quite relate to kids in that sense and let's be honest Jack Black is basically just an oversized kid I mean oh for sure he makes sense with these kids you can tell from just watching the kids expressions the ones who aren't in the scene with him but are just sort of watching they just are laughing and smiling and they just That's like right. love yeah. him and it, it just brings this chemistry to every moment when he's in the classroom that you can feel as an audience and be like, this is great. <laughs> You're just smiling, laughing. I've seen this movie several times. I'm now almost 40 years old, for Christ's sakes. I'm still <laughs> laughing hysterically at the dumbest stuff. Oh, I know. Because I'm like, this is just great. It's a feel-good movie. As yeah. I said, if you, you don't like it, you should just be killed. You almost get, There's like some realness to the moment where like, the drummer dude just stops when they're like leaving class. He's like, are we just going to goof off tomorrow? And Jack Black's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then he's like, well, are we going to keep doing what we did today? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just seems like... Well, ah. There's actually like a surprising amount of realness. Right, true. Yeah. <laughs> it's a recurring thing on this because maybe I didn't follow the path of staying in a band or doing music but i would say that this podcast is my version of not giving up absolutely well i mean so he lives in the apartment with mike white and sarah silverman and he just has a section of the apartment i I don't know how you describe that not roped off but like there's just like a sheet a sheet hanging from the ceiling yeah that, that covers his uh room and you open it up and it's just like records and cds and music instruments it's a dream in Oof, a way. Yeah, yeah, it certainly feels relatable. It's crazy that they charge him like full rent. I mean, we don't get into the specifics. I would pay like a hundred bucks a month for that sheet. He doesn't even have a room. Yeah, I know. I feel like they're a little over the top with him. I mean, I get that he's irresponsible and he's like a child. And yes, maybe they're going to get married and move on with their life. They're like, you have to pay us $2,200 in back rent to lay on this mattress. Well, yeah, I know. That is rough. <laughs> In their defense, it's like the fact that it seems like months are going by without him paying at all. Well, yeah, I know, but how much of a bitch is Sarah Silverman? Yeah, oh, I know. I actually was starting to think, because this movie came out in 03. I remember, and I talked about this to you at least before, I don't know about it on the show, but for Clerks 2, when they were trying to cast, what's her name? Rosario Dawson. Yeah, Rosario Dawson. The Rosario Dawson role, Sarah Silverman was on the list, and they like approached her about it and she was like no she was like if you were offering me randall i'd be interested but it's not really the direction i want my career to go and i was thinking watching this movie all she is is just a straight bitch in this movie there's well, not yeah really... but it's not like rosario dawson's character is a bitch no i know but it's i i had to feel like after this movie did that kind of weigh on her a little bit like not really just taking... being like the ornament to the guy's story. Yeah, yeah, like I thought about that, that too. Like her part is sort of. I kind of feel like ridiculous. she would look back on this role and be like, eh. "I mean, I guess it's good to get a part in a movie." But well, I know everyone wants to make everything super political and and debate and every and everything's this whole. It represents something much bigger than it is, and everything. The point of this movie is Jack Black and the kids. That's right. 
And, and, and it's just a star vehicle for him. And it's like, if you don't want to be in it, you don't have to be in it. That's but like, true. All the other characters, including the male characters, like Mike Weitz or whoever, like everything is just to support Jack Black in this. This is every not character, like anything beyond that. Every character that surrounds that universe is just like a flat. There is nothing yeah. more to them. than. But I will say, they are, as, they are very clear from the beginning. This is a, a formula movie. <laughs> like, yeah. we just got to put the pieces in place to get where we want to be as quick as possible. Yeah, it's actually very well edited because <laughs> I think a lot of people, if they were going to try to write this exact thing, like if you pitch this idea and you're like, okay, this sounds great. I want to write this movie. Like we have a green light. We're going to get a big check from Paramount to do this movie, but we need a script. I think a lot of people would get bogged down at the beginning trying to figure out yeah, how, do how to set this up? this up. And they just do it so quickly He's already driving to the school at the nine-minute mark. That's right. And then by the 20-minute mark, he finds out that they can play instruments. And you're like, we have an hour and a half left now to do this whole thing. Wastes no time setting it up. And it's fine because it's a kid's movie, basically. You don't need to have too much worry about keeping it super realistic or grounded in any sort of real world. It's like, okay, yeah. He can somehow do this. This is happening. Let's go. (laughs) Not a lot of background checks on these substitute teachers going on. So the budget of School of Rock was $35 million. The box office turned out to be $131.3. Yeah, it's wild. There have been several follow-ups, a Broadway musical, a television series on Nickelodeon. But thus far, no sequel. We'll circle back to that maybe at the end. Yeah, well, it feels unlikely at this point. Jack Black earned a Golden Globe nomination. He did not win. He lost to Bill Murray and lost to Translation. Mm. The movie also stars Joan Cusack, Mike White, Sarah Silverman, Miranda Cosgrove, and a bunch of kids. I mean, Miranda Cosgrove is one of the kids, but... She's the only one that's, like, noteworthy. That's a name. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the people in this, for one reason or another, really never did anything else or very little else i think a lot of them were just cast because of their musical ability nothing wrong with that and not really acting ability but you know i think all the kids are great and the fact that they're mostly all performing and doing the instruments and singing and stuff for themselves is what adds to it totally you never feel like it's some big phony production especially when the girls the backup singers all sing individually like in the moment that's right now, Marina Cosgrove can actually sing, and they had to like do a 40-minute course on how to sing badly, I guess. Although, I, I feel like that was intentionally like leaked out there. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not actually this terrible. That's right. There's something about this time period for me that's super nostalgic, and it's a simpler time. I think Jack Black's career is interesting. It seems like every time it's on the verge of just complete obscurity again, he somehow returns with something. Yeah. Oddly enough, by 2008, it seemed like it was over already. Well, how weird. And then Tropic Thunder happens. But, like, how weird was it that he was, like, one of the main leads in that fucking King Kong remake? Yeah. I I always look back at that movie as being, like, so strange that Peter Jackson, after doing these fucking Lord of the Ring movies that made a lot of money, had critical success, (laughs) and then, like, that's what he remakes King Kong. It kind of just comes and goes as, like, this very forgettable thing. But, like, Jack Black is in the cast. I've revisited Peter Jackson's King Kong within the last, like, five years, and I thought it was, like, pretty good. Okay. 
I know that people are down on it. It's super long. And King Kong is like always a tricky thing in the modern age of like, how do we make this work? It never quite seems right. But I don't know. I thought it was like pretty decent. All right. It's not as like ridiculous and over the top as like Skull Island. Sure. My recommendation next week will be Peter Jackson's King Kong. (laughs) It feels like a throwback because it's set at the time period of like the original version rather than trying to like modernize it, which I think is better. Well, I agree with that, but I do think it's weird that Jack Black is in that movie. Yeah. We'll do a Jack Black. Give us a second someday. Yeah. Just like a try to figure it all out. Well, the, the other thing is the first Tenacious D album came out in like 2002. Or I don't know if it was the first one, but it was like the I think it was the one. first one. The one with like Wonderboy. Wonderboy and Tribute and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so that was Which going was on popular. simultaneously yeah. with all of this and it was getting like a, a lot of radio play and it was it just seemed like he was taking over but as i said other than school of rock i think like shallow how was a hit although now we have to all act like that movie is so offensive and horrifying <laughs> you know so we'll act that way <laughs> but yeah i think like that was a hit but yeah. it just wasn't i just don't think i'm wrong here i think there was like a little bit of a disappointment and that it wasn't oh, turning sure. into this big thing yeah, I would agree with that. But maybe that was for the best, though, because all of those people burn out after a few movies, whereas Jack Black somehow still pops up in Jumanji, which is like these huge movies and stuff. Like, he's still, like, around. I feel like there's always going to be a slot for him as long as those types of movies continue to exist. And it is, like, one of those reputations where it seems like everybody likes him. He's, like, the coolest guy, you know. And that works. When people are like, well, who are we going to cast? Are they going to cast someone that was like easy to work with and that they all like? And oh, it's yeah. funny? For sure. You know. All right. So let's get into it. The movie opens with a performance by a band called No Vacancy, which has Dewey Finn played by Jack Black on, I guess, lead guitar because he's not the singer. That's Although right. he does play rhythm guitar later. Yeah. This performance. It's sort of dominated by Dewey being insane. This is this is like shades of Zack Attack, (laughs) just fucking Zach Morris soloing for the entire song. (laughs) I was thinking like shades of Matt Crosby. Oh yeah, can't stop (laughs) with the notes. Not that you have like the charisma to like take your shirt off or like fall on the floor. (laughs) Thankfully for everyone, (laughs) well, Jack Black does it. Yeah, back in the day, I will say I, I did have some. I was always that person, and like when we were playing in bands, like just complete dope making way too much of a scene on stage like getting drunk rolling around on the floor it. playing guitar <laughs> i could see you being the guy like up against your own amp looking over to the sound guy like yelling at him to turn it up, yeah. turn it up. <laughs> that actually was like the funniest part of this it's just him doing that because i think being involved in like bands in high school or like after high school and stuff and floating around doing like little gigs or whatever i think you've encountered people like this oh sure (laughs) who are taking it seriously at a level that's like embarrassing for everyone and sort of annoying (laughs) like halfway through the set just like pointing at the monitor in front of like i can't hear anything coming out of this like it's like dude who cares (laughs) yeah because your band unplugged it because you're terrible (laughs) yeah it's basically just jack black doing jack black stuff in this opening here and he has a failed stage dive which is something that jack black witnessed ian asbury from the cult do one time yeah that's horrible made it into this movie it's a risk to even try Yeah, that. but it doesn't even seem like there was enough people yeah i know it just seems like what is he doing well, why did he jump I, into the crowd it, it doesn't look like it's gonna be a nice landing for anybody even <laughs> if the crowd does catch him 
<laughs> this just seems like it could cause some serious injuries. <laughs> and so when he lands on the floor, it transitions to the next morning where he's waking up in the apartment he lives in with his friend Ned Schneebly. Which is an insane name. Schneebly. <laughs> and Ned's girlfriend Patty, Mike White and Sarah Silverman. Dewey evidently owes $2,200 in back rent and must come up with it within one week or move out. So, uh, th- Which doesn't feel likely. The dynamic is established here immediately. Ned is sort of willing to let Dewey get away with whatever. He's friends with Dewey. He sort of understands him. They have this relationship where, yeah, of course Dewey's taking advantage of it a little bit, although it doesn't really seem nefarious it's just how dewey is right but patty is the killjoy the wet blanket yeah (laughs) just ruining everything not a lot of fun to be had although i I mean imagine her it's just like she's trying to get this life going and you've just got this mess taking up a corner of your house (laughs) a corner of your apartment you like want to have like a glass of wine and a nice dinner and you just have a sheet hanging in the corner of the room with this guy behind it and I didn't look it up when I'm watching it, but I'm assuming everyone here in this situation, they're not in their 20s even. This is like definitely 30s. Oh, yeah. I'm almost going to say like Silverman was like almost 35 at this point wow. when this movie came out. I don't know if that's how old Patty's supposed to be, but they don't look young. No, no. It Which doesn't actually, seem like this is post-college It is anymore. kind of sad for the Mike White character that it's just like he's just subbing. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're probably supposed to be... Mid, Young mid to late maybe? 20s, okay, but yeah. they're clearly not. <laughs> I know, it is weird. So yeah, like Jack Black would have been like 34 when this movie came out. Mike White would have been 33. And Sarah Silverman would have been also like 33. Wow. So that that checks out. Yeah, I for think sure. they're probably supposed to be playing like a little younger though. Yeah, well, and I always, uh, when I when I see this in movies, I'm like, yeah, maybe one day my life will be like that. But one of those moments happened here where... Mike White and Sarah Silverman characters are dressed and, like, comfortably eating breakfast before they're going to work. Yeah. Never a part of my... I mean, it's like... Well, that's that's something in, like, a lot of shows and movies. Yeah, and I'm waking up with the shortest amount of time. How quick can I get in the shower, get dressed, and get on the road? (laughs) Just throw water on my hair from the sink. A horse bath. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just like there is no morning for me where I'm just like comfortably up and ready for like an yeah. hour before I have to go to work and just like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm just having breakfast. I love Silverman's delivery of, oh my God, he's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> There's some parallels here. I'm reminded of sometimes in our lives. Oh, sure. This will sort of come up throughout the movie. Ned and Dewey's friendship extends into the past where they were in a band together. Ned sort of given up his musical pursuit i'm thinking of the future of this podcast that's right i'll be the dewey version like trying to angrily remind matt of his podcasting past what will we be like dressed up as when we have the picture <laughs> the picture looking back at when we used to just do the how podcast. we are now that's right. <laughs> just dorks just complete messes <laughs> although i can't imagine us looking better in the future i'm no, sure it'll no, be even no. worse yeah We'll be like, look how handsome we were. <laughs> when Dewey meets up with the rest of No Vacancy later that day at a rehearsal session, he's told he's been fired from the band and replaced by another guitar player 
named Spider. Brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's rough because Just, Dewey's initial plan is like, well, we're going to win Battle of the Band, so I'll get that money that's for right. the rent. Yeah, <laughs> which is a crazy thing to bank on. And it is a rough scene, I will say, to be excommunicated from your band that's not that successful. Turns out No Vacancy wants to take Battle of Bands seriously this year, which I find to be hilarious because, again, these guys look like they're 30 years old. Guys, it's not happening. That's really, <laughs> it's time to move on. And I love that the whole movie is built around this thing, and it's just called Battle of the Bands, like the most generic thing. Like we had Battle of the Bands in high school and stuff like that. Yes. And then it turns out it's something that's like taking place during the day. And during, like, a weekday. I will say, it's packed, though, by the time we finally get there. <laughs> it was a big hit. And based on, like, when... Okay, we'll get to that later at the end. It just yeah. seems like... How, when, is this taking place at, like, 10 in the morning? It is so strange. And you're like, there's, like, a $20,000 prize? <laughs> it seems nuts. Dewey's told by one of the guys in the band, we're trying to get signed, and you're an embarrassment. <laughs> Now this conversation feels like maybe somewhere we're heading. That Spotify deal comes up and you're like... <laughs> that Spotify deal. Yeah, you're like, Matt, it's over, man. Well, as soon as anybody like waves a check in front of my face, you're cut from this team immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you're too embarrassing. Come on. Yeah. I know. In my notes, I just put parallels question mark. And I'm like, well, I wonder what I was thinking there. I think you just filled it in. That's right. We're left in a situation now where Dewey needs to get this money. He doesn't know what to do. He has no job, no prospects, nothing's happening. His whole life was tied in with this band. Now he's been kicked out of the band. Yeah, that is a sad real. I mean, if you're like in your early 30s and all your eggs were in one basket and this was the basket. <laughs> and someone kicks that basket in the traffic I, and it gets run over. It just feels like pretty poor planning. Oh, for sure. I don't think anyone thought Dewey was was really uh, <laughs> planning for the future. Yeah, well, really. Which I can relate to. Sure, sure. Later, while attempting to sell some of his equipment for rent money, Dewey answers a phone call from Rosalie Mullins, played by, the by way, Joan Cusack. That is just a, a sad move, though. Parting with music equipment. I think a lot of people oh, have been down that road. I know, but it's like such a fleeting thing because you're selling something that you got way more value out of than just now I'm just paying to keep this cycle going to be able to live here for another month. Yeah. Well, that's how it works with that stuff because it's overpriced to begin with. I mean, I sold a guitar for a TV. You remember that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) The TV like barely works now, by the way. That's true. It's not this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What a life. Really. So Rosalie Mullins calls. She's the principal of Horror Screen Prep School, and she's looking for Ned. They need a short-term substitute teacher. Because that's what Ned does. Oh, here's something that could get our movie going. In order to score that sweet teaching cash for the (laughs) rent, Dewey decides to impersonate Ned and then get the position. So this whole thing, as I said, if you hit the pause on the Blu-ray or if you're streaming this on, I think it's on HBO Max now, you're at like nine minutes by the time he's driving up to the school already. You're just in it. Right, exactly. Which is great. They get us right in it. This is kind of like a Don Draper situation, actually. He's just taking another man's identity. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like taking that. his life. So how's this gonna work? Are you gonna pay me up front? I, I don't understand. It'd be really great if I could get paid now in cash. Oh well, we don't do that. Okay. Well, when you cut my check, just make it payable to Dewey Finn for tax reasons. You can discuss all of that with Candace in administration at the end of the day. Okay. When's the end of the day? 
We commenced at 8.15, school lets out at 3. Oh, uh-oh, you know what? Uh, you think I could cut out a little early today? I got some stuff I gotta do. It's cool. I can stay. Mr. Schneebly, this is considered the best elementary school in the state, and we maintain that reputation by adhering to a strict code of conduct, faculty included. You know what? You don't have to worry about me because I'm a hard ass, and if a kid gets out of line, I got no problem smacking him in the head. No, 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 we don't use corporal punishment here. Okay, so just verbal abuse? Mr. Schneebly, if you have any problems with any of your students, you just send them to me. I will do the disciplining. Check. This whole situation, his interactions with Principal Mullins are hilarious. Him getting introduced to the class, him just sort of not really knowing what to do. All the, funny to me. The whole arc with Principal Mullins, I was... Uh... Hoping for a little bit more there, you know? You mean like a love connection? Yeah, it, it feels like it almost starts to go down that road. A little bit. I don't know if this is that kind of movie. Yeah, that's true. It's unnecessary. Right. <laughs> Although, Spider. That's true. It seems like something was going to get going there. Maybe one of the funniest things in the whole movie to me is when he's first introduced to this classroom of kids and he starts to write the name on the chalkboard and... As he's writing Mr. Schneebly, he realizes that he doesn't actually know how to spell Schneebly. <laughs> and he he puts S-C-H-N-E-E. -E, then he writes a third E, <laughs> as if there'd be a situation where there'd be three E's. Oh, and then starts to cross out the third E, as if like he's realizing. <laughs> it's such a great little moment, because you're like... <laughs> You can like see him like figuring it out, like trying to think like, okay, there's no way there'd be three E's in a row. <laughs> and then he just decides to go with Mr. S. Yeah. Always a safer move. <laughs> right away, when he's left alone with these children, <laughs> he's finding out about how the class operates. There's Summer, played by Cosgrove. She's like, what does she call herself? The class factotum. That's right. Which yeah. I'm not really 100% sure what that means. Yeah, this is a, a recognizable character. Just the, the suck up. Bossy needs to run the show. Yeah. She introduces him to the concept of gold stars and demerits, which he doesn't like right away. So it sort of introduces a theme of the movie, which will be how Dewey, under the name of Mr. S or Ned Schneebly, will be introduced to a bunch of people's lives and turn things upside down. But in a good way, because he basically shakes up a lot of this stuff. He brings people out of their shells and stuff. And Gives this is sort of like a little subtle jab right away at about, like, these kids, I think, are supposed to be 10 years old. They reference it a few times. The actual ages of the kids are all over the place. But they're supposed to be, like, 10. And oh, yeah. they have their names on a piece of poster board. And there's, like, these black smudges. And they're like, he's like, what are these? And they're like, demerits. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, it's fucked up. Yeah, really. And this is, like, some private school for like the elite or something yeah it's supposed to be like the best school in the state this movie is set in new york it was filmed oh. mostly uh, in new york professor x's school for the gifted yeah a little bit like that yeah <laughs> there's a few mutants out there <laughs> okay who's got food in here you're not gonna get in travel i'm hungry You. What do you got? Mm-hmm. 
That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Teach. 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 All right, look. Here's the deal. I've got a hangover. Who knows what that means? Doesn't that mean you're drunk? No. It means I was drunk yesterday. It means you're an alcoholic. Wrong. You wouldn't come to work hungover unless you're an alcoholic. Dude, you got a disease. Hmm. Hmm. What's your name? Freddie Jones. Hmm, Freddie Jones. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up. The point is, y'all can just chill today. We'll start on this crapola tomorrow. Yes, Tinkerbell. Summer, as class factotum, first I'd like to just say, welcome to Horse Green. Thank you. Do you have any questions about our schedule? Because usually now Miss Denham teaches vocabulary, then gives us a pop quiz, then she'll split us up into our reading groups. Track B is reading Okay, hey, hey, hey. Miss Dumbum ain't your teacher today? I am. <laughs> and I got a headache and the runs. So I say, time for recess. But Mr. S, that poster charts everyone's performance. We get gold stars when we master the material covered in class. How do we get gold stars if we just have recess? What are these black dots here? Demerits. What kind of a sick school is this? Hmm? Not really having any plan, not really knowing how to teach, not really knowing what to do. Dewey just basically gives the kids endless recess for his first day. Pretty good move. <laughs> I would be like, we're watching a movie. There's some great stuff in here, and he's like, I'm hungover. Do you know what that means? <laughs> it means you're drunk. No. It means I was drunk yesterday. Yeah. Then he takes the sandwich from the girl. <laughs> I think they basically recycled some of this concept into the Cameron Diaz movie Bad Teacher. Okay, yeah. The drunk, hungover stuff. That's right. You know. He finds out when they're done for the day, which is 3 o'clock, and then as soon as 3 o'clock hits, he's running out of the school. <laughs> I do like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that that didn't even come back to be like, well, you're supposed to wait until the kids are all safely out of That's here. That's right, yeah. He's out the door before them. After his first day, Dewey's mocked in the streets as he's putting up little leaflets, you know, help wanted signs basically for his band. No one interested in taking one of those tags with his information yeah, on it. Yeah, they, they were like mocking him and then he like overheard them. Oof. And then he's further demoralized at home with some more encounters <laughs> with Patty. I would be demoralized by what my home situation is. Well, He's sort of in that infinite adolescence, you know? That's he's right. not really worried about that. He's just like, how do I have a situation where I can rock? Yep. He's all about the rock and roll. And in his mind, it's going to happen, you know? There's no other alternative. Right. <laughs> that's the thing that's kind of cool about this movie, is that it never really makes Dewey out to be terrible or oh, a joke. I, right. You're I, not I, really well, sure how... Well, no, I mean, in terms of a musician. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, his, like, life is a joke. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sure. But you're not really sure if he's like actually good or bad. He seems like pretty good. I think he's pretty good. But he's also not the greatest. He's just like, yeah, he's pretty good, but you know, probably not going to happen for him unless yeah. something happens, which is kind of how it goes. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, most people can get to be like somewhat decent at guitar or an instrument or even get to be good. 
I agree. But that, that never like means anything. I speak from experience. There's millions yeah. of people that are like good. Absolutely. Like, you know. It seems like he's got a pretty good mind for music in general, though. I mean, he he kind of operates as a composer for the whole group. Yeah, he's got grandiose. Yeah. Ideas. That's right. He's got a vision. The next day, sort of reeling from his failures in music and his soul-crushing home life. I will say he does have quite a bit of resiliency, though. Throughout this movie, <laughs> nothing ever really... <laughs> well, I think you're contradicting what I was about to okay, say. Okay, okay, Because this is where he gives the whole just-quit speech. I know, but how quick is he back up from this? Well, th- he also introduces the the man, which will become a recurring thing with the kids. Yes, yeah, stick it to the man. They'll come back to that later when they'll get like more into specifics, but he's basically like the man ruins everything, the man sucks, just quit because it's hopeless. Right. Summer still asking for actual class. <laughs> Other kids Imagine embracing like, this. Asking for actual class. There were a lot of dorky oh, kids yeah. in my school, but I, I don't think anyone would have. Been I would like have this. like raised my hand and been like, "Remember when we watched Groundhog Day? That was my favorite day of class. Can we do that again?" <laughs> wow, I don't think I ever got to watch Groundhog yeah, Day. Yeah, we did. We I did watch Groundhog Day in ninth grade. I think my favorite watch a movie in school, which was not really in school, it was on the bus to ski club, and it was Can't Hardly Wait. Well, there you go. <laughs> Any a situation where you watch Can't Hardly Wait, yeah. is a good one. Are you going to teach us anything, or are we just going to sit here? Just do whatever you want. I want to learn from my teacher. Besides that, Freddie, what do you like to do? I don't know. Burn stuff? Just go out and have recess. My parents don't spend $15,000 a year for recess. What, you want to learn something? Yes, I do. What, you want me to teach you something? You want to learn something? All right, here's a useful lesson for you. Give up. Just quit. Because in this life, you can't win. Yeah, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to lose big time because the world is run by the man. Who? The man. Oh, you don't know the man? Oh, well, he's everywhere. In the White House, down the hall, Miss Mullins. She's the man. And the man ruined the ozone, and he's burning down the Amazon, and he kidnapped Shamu and put her in a chlorine tank, okay? And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll. But guess what? Oh, no. The man ruined that, too, with a little thing called MTV! So don't waste your time trying to make anything cool or pure or awesome, because the man's just going to call you a fat, washed-up loser and crush your soul. So do yourselves a favor and just give up! Oh, Mr. Schneebly, it's after 10. On Tuesdays, the children have music class now. Right, okay. Uh, good work, people. We will continue with our lecture on the man when we return. Have a good music class. So now that Dewey's at his all-time lowest, contrary to what Matt said. <laughs> I, I sense a bounce back coming. While he's peeing at the children's toilets in the bathroom, <laughs> which... How many times? I mean, Uncle Buck did the same thing. Any oh, yeah, situation right. yeah. where you have an adult in an elementary school, hilarious with the bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably different for women, but for men, I mean, at the standing at the stall, never not going to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> 
He overhears the students playing their instruments in music class and almost immediately devises a plan for them. It's like, oh shit, I sense an opportunity here. To form into a new band to audition for Battle of the Bands. Now, the kids are all, of course, playing classical music. By the way, this feels ridiculous, though, that this is his plan. It also feels ridiculous that they all conveniently played all those different instruments. Well, that's true. But I, I just get the sense that if you go to this school, you have to do everything. Yeah, You okay. have to learn an instrument. You have to, you know, have some sort of arts and crafts hobby. Like, <laughs> arts and crafts. Yeah, I don't know. Pottery. <laughs> Ceramics. Yeah, well, things are moving quick. You know, we don't need to waste time. It's his second day. He's heard them play. Let's get into it. Because this is like the heart of the movie. The beginning is fine, and the ending is triumphant and fun. But this stuff of just them in the classroom, like learning the songs, coming up with all their different jobs for the band, him interacting with the kids, building their confidence. This is like what the movie is. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually like a pretty easy movie to film and conceive because so much of it happens in these classrooms. And there's really just mostly the one classroom. But his initial goal being that we're going to go play at Battle of the Bands with this group of kids. I don't know. It seems kind of nuts. It is nuts, but... He doesn't really have anything else. His back's against the wall. He's being mocked by people at his own age. Yeah. So I'm going to show up with kids to a Battle of the Bands, and that'll earn everyone's respect. (laughs) Well, the message of the movie is that all it takes is one awesome rock show to change the world. That's true. That's the thing. I think even at the end, when the kids finally do go on stage, they are almost perceived as a gimmick at first, yeah. and they have to win the audience over. And I think we learned that with the one and only Kapowski show, We <laughs> Rock the World. Yeah. Well, you ruined it. <laughs> you- <laughs> as I usually do. Somehow you broke a guitar string, like t- one song in, <laughs> and then we had no backup plan, yeah. really. Just a disaster. Wow. We got through it. We were also playing in the dark. <laughs> well, that that was by demand. That was my decision. I was like, we can't do this with lights on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was weird. Yep. <laughs> so we have Zach Mooneyham goes from classic guitarist to lead guitar. We have Lawrence goes from pianist to keyboards. Katie goes from cellist to bass player. That's actually pretty funny. Yeah. He's like imitating how you play the cello. Then he's like, he turns it to the side. Like, he's like, cello. (laughs) (laughs) That's the great thing about Jack Black is like, this material is sort of absurd. I know. And as you said, I mean, it's like, why would anyone think of these things? But whenever it's him and he's like saying this stuff, you're just kind of like, yeah. (laughs) But you have to wonder like how much spin he's putting on the script. It, It seems like half of this stuff is just shit that he would say and do. You know, like, yeah, he, he's improvising a lot of the dialogue and what's happening. Well, that's how scenes. like a lot of comedies. Are. Yeah, that's true. You just have to set up the situations and then put in put, the funny people. Right, true. Yeah. Like when he's trying to sell his guitar on the phone, he's like, whatever it is, mint can dish. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we got Freddie Jones goes from percussionist to drummer. Dewey makes himself lead vocalist and rhythm guitar. <laughs> that's a Zach move right there. <laughs> Well, I mean, if I'm going to be a part of something. Yeah, come on. We know who the star of the show is. <laughs> the Jeff BB band. Yeah, I was thinking there was some almost famous parallels when he gets kicked out of the band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your looks have become a problem. <laughs> Dewey sells it to the kids as a school project 
called Rock Band, and they will be competing against other schools. It's so funny that he has to like convince the kids that this oh, is know. something they should be doing. Meanwhile, it's like, yeah, this is all we're going to be doing in class for the next coming weeks. That's great. Well, like Freddie is down for that, but oh, yeah. not all the other kids. And he has to also be like, you can't tell Mullins, the principal, you can't tell your parents. This is in a fact, big secret. In fact, we're going to set up some sort of surveillance system. <laughs> To know when Mullins is coming and then, like, pretend that we're having real class. Yeah, it's weird that these kids are, like, goody-goodies enough to be afraid to waste time and slack off doing this thing that he comes up with, but not such goody-goodies that they're, like, overly concerned with cheating. Because he basically is like, we'll be cheating to do this because we're not supposed to start on this secret project yet. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Well, they're, they're willing to be led. He assigns the rest of the kids different roles outside of the actual core of the band. So then you have the backing vocalists. There's like Marta, uh, eventually Tamika. We'll get to her later. And there's another girl. Uh, there's a lot of kids in this. It's hard For to sure. know all their names. doesn't matter, really, unfortunately. A couple of the dudes, roadies, yeah. in charge of like the sound, the light, the equipment. If I was one of these kids, I would not be stoked if I got one. of. Th- if I wasn't in the band, I would be. Yeah. Like- that is something that's unavoidable throughout the whole movie yeah. where you're kind of like, even the parents at the end, even when the, when the parents start to accept this by the end of yeah. the movie. My kid's a roadie? Yeah. I, my kid's a groupie? <laughs> <laughs> what? Fucking Bobby Bacala's son is one of the kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. Summer becomes band manager eventually, but initially she's in the group of girls that are just labeled groupies which sets itself up for all kinds of problematic situations we're talking about 10 year old children which they do actually address too sort of but two of them just stay groupies well that's true i guess only one of them realizes what it is (laughs) yeah that's why summer becomes band manager she googles what groupies are and she's like they're sluts they sleep with the band affiliated with my name (laughs) the other two are fine with it yeah just blowing everyone in the band. They Googled it, too, and they're like, oh, this sounds cool. Penny Lane. Yeah. Well, the two girls that are the groupies are also in charge of coming up with a band name, which Which they is do. a pretty important Although job. their initial ones are pretty lame. The yeah. Bumblebees. <laughs> yeah, much the koala to... koala bears. <laughs> much to uh, Mr. S's disgust. And then they're like, pig rectum in front of Mullen. <laughs> I cannot believe that two girls would come up with that name. <laughs> There probably is some band called Pig Rectum oh, I'm out sure. there. Yeah. It all exists. <laughs> yeah, the groupies situation is I think played for laughs f- towards like the more adult side of the audience that Definitely. they would get it. Yeah. But it is one of those weird things that sticks out now, you know, 17 years later or I'd say so. Movie is, yeah. where you're just like, "Oof, that's that's awkward." <laughs> the new project replaces all normal school lessons, but it actually helps the students to embrace their talents and gain confidence. Over the course of the movie, at various points, Dewey will reassure Lawrence, who is worried about not being cool enough for the band. I want to pause here and say, this kid that plays Lawrence had almost the exact same conversation with Richard Linklater. Oh, okay. In real life. was like, I don't think I should be in this movie. I don't think I'm cool enough. Oh, wow. And they just sort of recreate it. With Jack Black. Well, yeah, you would be like, that. okay, you're per- the way the fact that you're doing this, that you're actually that, perfect. Yeah, that's me, exactly right? what Linklater yeah. told him. Like, yeah. this is exactly what we want, like, you to be awkward. And- yeah, right. <laughs> well, I don't think he said that. Like, you <laughs> awkward weirdo. <laughs> you're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> 
Mr. Snibley? Yeah? Hey, what's up? I don't think I should be in the band. Why not? I'm not cool enough. People in bands are cool. I'm not cool. Dude, you are cool. The way you play. What, why do you say you're not cool? Nobody ever talks to me. Well, those days are over, buddy. Because you could be the ugliest sad sack on the planet, but if you're in a rockin' band, you're the cat's pajamas, man. You're the bee's knees. Bee's knees? Yeah, the bee's knees. You're, the, you're gonna be the most popular guy in school, trust me. Okay, I'll do it. Now listen, this is a big commitment now. You don't just say yes if you're gonna flake out later. I won't. Larry, welcome to my world. Boom. Okay. Boom. A couple okay. of these. Now here. Okay. Now give me a platform. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Now do it to me. Let's rock. Let's rock today. That's good. Slap it. Shoot it. Kaboot it. We're going to work on that some more later. It's a very long shake. Get going. Good knuckle crack. He also helps Zach, whose father disapproves of rock music, like vehemently disapproves of rock music, and seems to be like a real fucking hard on. Yeah, really. Like he's like yelling at. It's just like these kids seem so timid. Other than Summer, who's like overly precocious, yeah. the other kids in the class all seem afraid to say anything. I don't know. It is weird. Like the whole idea of like rock music being like this horrible devil worshiping thing well it's not even that it's more just like it's a waste of time okay yeah th- i guess they're so concerned with like this is really like a commentary on helicopter parents and like just being sure. so up your kid's ass all the time that they can't have a life now granted this is not high schoolers these are like 10 year olds so it is sort of well their parents would probably have some influence in their life still but it's overboard my mind always goes to the almost famous francis mcdormand thing of they're on pot these rockers and like parents not wanting their kids. Well, yeah, to do I it. think like it's possible that that's a part of it, but I think like yeah. just to fit in with even like Mullins when she finally has her breakdown about it, about the parents and like the pressure she feels. That's right, yeah. It's like these parents are just so hyped up on like we got to get to the best schools, we got to get into the best college, which is still a thing now, but I think was like sure, sure. really becoming a thing by the late 90s into the 2000s and would go on for a while where it's just. Everything is so cutthroat. Yeah, you just picture these people's lives being like so stuffy too. Oh yeah, we just throw on classical music. We're not listening to this power chord bullshit. (laughs) Power chord. They specifically sing about power chords. (laughs) And also Tamika, an overweight girl who is too self-conscious to initially audition for backup singer, despite having a powerful singing voice. Jack Black will sort of, or Dewey. Sorry, will. Give her a pep talk whenever they go to audition. Initially. Well, I was calling him Mr. S, the guy he's pretending to be. Which is fine. I, yeah, he's I guess a that's lot his of name for most of the movie. Obviously, the kids know nothing about rock music. The extent of their musical knowledge is limited to the classical stuff that they're playing in school and what their parents will allow them to be exposed to. Although, evidently, Summer has free range to just Google groupies. It's not an issue. So it's like, it seems like they could know about music, but they just don't really. Yeah. I think Marta said she liked Christina Aguilera, which in 2003, you're talking like dirty era almost. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that being something that kids are watching. That would (laughs) be It was. It definitely (laughs) was. I know. (laughs) Man, those like late 90s, early 2000s. 
I can specifically remember that Christina Aguilar music video and me just being like, good God, I cannot believe this is on TV. That whole era, yeah, yeah. the Rolling Stone photo shoot and stuff, which That's was right. just a- out of control. What a time to be alive Seriously. for everyone. <laughs> so every day they start practicing music. Dewey introduces them to a song that he's written about needing the rent, the legend of the rent. <laughs> Which is another just hilarious Jack Black scene. Oh, yeah. Him going through the whole thing where he's like talking about the mist coming up and he's like, roadies, guys, we'll talk about this later. Yeah. He's like, chimes, Freddy, (laughs) as he's doing like the lyrics of this absurd song. Right, right. It sounds like something out of the Stonehenge era of Spinal Tap. It's just so ridiculous. But then it's really just about needing the money for rent. (laughs) Right. It's almost like Coheed and Cambria. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. That That is kind of the style. Even his songs as Tenacious D, they have that 70s sprawling, almost progressive rock feel to yeah, it. Yeah, like a prog rock Zeppelin or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So as all this is going on, they need to hide everything from Principal Mullins, the kids' parents, the other teachers, etc. They're trying to like soundproof the room. They have, as you said, the whole surveillance thing. It's like a whole operation. Somehow, yeah. It does sort of, if you want to take it to a dark place, illustrate how easily kids are manipulated into just doing whatever. Well, certainly. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty quick to just be bought into this. And they're all aligned that no one's going to tell a parent about it. Yeah, there are things that, even for this kind of movie, stretch credibility where you're like, well, there are a lot of other classes in this school. These kids don't talk to anyone. Yeah. It seems like this would get out immediately. They're 10 years old. (laughs) they can't be trusted right to keep this a secret (laughs) so one of the big things is the whole concept of sticking it to the man which seems like on the surface just to be for a comedic purpose but i do think it's sort of the the underlying theme of the movie in a way because what they're really saying is that these kids are so sheltered that they need to be able to grow in confidence get out there in the world mix it up if you will. That's right. And this is sort of what this whole speech is whenever he sees Zach's dad sort of bullying him a little bit into like, you have to do this, you have to do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. There's definitely an element of like chasing your own dreams. Yeah. Right. It's a pretty memorable, iconic part of the movie. And it, it is great. It's just great to see like the kids buying in and like the band taking shape because... The kids are all super talented, but it's just like they needed something like Jack Black to unlock this. That's right. Unlock that there can actually be joy in life because you're not getting the sense that there's a lot of joy before this. No, it's like you take Summer, for instance, and she's like one of the most outspoken characters. It seems like her whole life is dedicated to like these meaningless gold stars. And like it's a big splash of cold water in your face when you realize that this shit doesn't mean anything, the stuff that you obsess over. And I think, you know, a lot of people probably would say like, oh, well, rock music or like being in this band doesn't mean anything, but that's actually 100% wrong. <laughs> it's like that is the stuff that means stuff. It's everything. Yeah, it doesn't have to be music, but it's like yeah, yeah. passion is what it is, like, it's all about. These meaningless gold stars. Honey, your parents paid $15,000 to be in a private school. You're probably going to go to an Ivy League college I think no matter what. secure. You don't need to stress out about this meaningless crap. Yeah. Listen to the Sex Pistols. Yes. Yeah. 
Which I love how they're referenced a couple times. Right. <laughs> they're like, oh, by the way, the bass player of the Sex Pistols probably murdered his girlfriend and then died of a heroin overdose right. while awaiting trial. They all look at that girl, Kate, who plays bass. <laughs> they're like, what? Is this where we're adding? Yeah, I mean, that kid that plays drums just becomes like a huge Sex Pistols fan. Yeah, well, the Sex Pistols are mostly terrible. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, yeah. Who's like casually listening to the Sex Pistols for fun? <laughs> Not, hopefully not people that listen to this podcast, or else we'll probably get another one-star review. <laughs> that would be great if somebody did just give it a one-star review and was like, the Sex Pistols fucking roll. I used to like listen to them when I was like in middle school, but that kind of seems like you know, the cutoff point. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I had a little bit of a run in high school. But yeah, I mean, the, their songs aren't particularly catchy. you know, Or so good. The, well, you're right. So that <laughs> makes it hard. Okay, Freddie, that was awesome. You're rocking, but it's a little sloppy Joe. Tighten up the screws, okay? Zach, dude, <laughs> what's up with the stiffness, man? You're looking a little robotronic, okay? Let's uh, grease up the hinges and listen. Loosey-goosey, baby. Loosey-goosey. I'm just playing it the way you told me. I know, and you know what? It's perfect. But the thing is, rock is about the passion, man. Where's the joy? You're the lead guitarist, and we are counting on you for some style, brother. So try this out. This is an ancient technique. It's called power stance. That's it, power stance. You own the universe. Now give me an E chord, just go But let me hear Yeah, now raise your goblet of rock. It's a toast to those who rock. Now smile and nod your head and let me see your eyeballs wide like there's something wrong. Yeah! Now, do it again. Give me that. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Okay, let's do it again from You're Not Hardcore. One, two, three. Well, you're not Two weeks into his hiring, Dewey sneaks some of the students out of the school to audition for a spot in the competition at Battle of the Bands, while the rest of the class stays behind to maintain cover. And so when they get to this venue, there's a couple of random appearances, like Frank Whaley is the is this like guy who's running it. He just like loads the kids into his van like during yeah. school hours. Yeah. Nikki Cat appearance. That's right. Link later favorite from Days and Confused and Suburbia. Yep. <laughs> this is where Dewey gives Tomika the pep talk because she's afraid to go on stage and sing. And he's like, you know, you've heard of Aretha Franklin. He's like, she's a heavy lady, but when she starts singing, everybody wants to party with Aretha. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I love when he's like, and you know who else is overweight? And as, as if there's like going to be a surprise to anyone, me. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of sad that, like, yeah, when I saw this movie and for most of my life, I was probably like, yeah, Jack Black's, like, kind of a heavy guy. Now I would, like, kill to have that body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, like, cut Jack Black. <laughs> yeah, I think he's definitely he's a fluctuated trimmer. a little sure. heavier past this movie. But Freddie wanders off. Some band, I think it's the band with Nicky Cat, actually. They invite him into their van to play, like, cards, and I'm just like, What? I know that this whole scene insane. is so weird. It's like, why would you invite a child into your van? It just—it's crazy. For a movie that's mostly light, I would say that there is kind of a real panic moment here when Mister S doesn't know where the kid is. Yeah, a little bit. It's short-lived, but this could have just gone real dark if I fucking <laughs> lost a kid. 
on this field trip that we're not supposed to be on. Yeah, it's like when you hear about on the set of The Burbs or something, Sam Kennison showing up to like smoke weed with a 17-year-old Corey Feldman. And you're just like, what? Like, why is this grown adult hanging out with a teenager to smoke weed? Well, this, like, why is why do they invite Freddie yeah, into their van? But this is like uh, Wet Hot American Summer, where a kid just goes in a van and then disappears. They just, <laughs> they just throw him on the side of the road. So Dewey tracks him down and almost gives like a lecture to them about like growing up which is pretty funny because he's taking on the responsible adult pose here but the band is rejected from the bill because they've filled up all the slots and then summer has a big idea pretty good idea which dewey enacts which is to pretend that all the kids have a terminal illness and this is like (laughs) their dying wish a pretty horrible thing to do but you got to give it to summer you knew that they weren't going to get turned away after yeah, basically guilts Frank Whaley and that chick into letting them on the bill. That's right. As they're driving back to the school, we hear Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Now, this was like a big deal at the time because Led Zeppelin did not license their songs out to anybody for any movies at that point. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Obviously, Sharp Objects. It's like all Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. But in 2003, that was something that didn't happen. There's like a special feature on the Blu-ray of... Jack Black in front of that live audience from the end where he's just like begging. Oh yeah. <laughs> Robert Plant and Jimmy Page to like let them use a song and right. I guess they sent that to the band and then they were just like agreed. That's awesome. So yeah, they're like singing immigrant song. They get back to school. I like this part where they're not actually practicing and he's just kind of like leaning back in his chair like kind of dozing off. <laughs> and that's when those two girls are like we have a name for the band and oh, yeah. they have the t-shirt, The School of Rock. I do think it's cool that he's able to just like come up with these songs very quickly. That's right. So he just like gets up on the desk and he's like, The School of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I was always impressed with people that can just come up with melodies. Cause it's, <laughs> Me. I, yeah, I, I, I would say. Yeah, I, I do think that's an. I mean, like, always being able to play guitar, I, I had a really hard time separate. Like, oh, now I have to come up with something that's different than the melody that I'm playing. <laughs> I can't do it. It's like walking and talking at the same time, you know? It's just too hard. There's a Mullins alert, and she shows up. They hurry up and try to like hide everything, although one guitar is left out. Right. <laughs> this is actually like yeah. a pretty funny scene where he's... What are they doing with the drum set during this, by the way? They dragged it into that closet. It just seems like so... <laughs> like I got I got this like five-piece kit, and we got to yeah. like, hide this. Well, there's no way that they'd be able to soundproof this room oh, where people wouldn't hear the drums and the guitars. I mean, there's just no way. But she shows up, and she's like, all right, well, I want to see your teaching methods. Can you do it? So he puts this guitar on to like prove that he's using it for teaching, and they do this whole like math is good, math is great <laughs> song, and he's like, six times a billion is and then like points to someone 54 like, minus 45 yeah, that's the best when he yeah. like does tomorrow and he's like 45 taken from 54 is and she's like nine and he's like no eight and then she doubles down like no nine he's like good i was just testing you Oh, Schneebly with three E's. That's right. That's great. (laughs) After school, Dewey and Mullins go to a bar. The scenes between Jack Black and Joan Cusack are actually pretty good. They have like a fun chemistry. They do. This is so weird, though, with these two characters. Because, well, it's the middle of the day. Yeah, it's like like three o'clock. Let's go get a cup of coffee. 
They well, clearly go to a place. I know he's got a scheme going. Well, yeah, he's but, heard. Yeah, about her. She loosens up when drinking, yeah. and they have a shared love of Stevie Nicks. That's right. As we all do. <laughs> Mullins understands that she's not well-liked by the staff and perceived to be not fun. She laments to Dewey about how her job as principal puts her under intense pressure thanks to the overzealous parents. You know, this is the first time any teacher has ever asked me to do anything outside of school. No way. Yeah, it's, it's true. In six years. Well, you know, I think it might just be one of those things where people are a little intimidated. Intimidated? They hate me. No, they don't. Yes, they do. They sure do. I can see. I wasn't always like this, you know. I wasn't always wound this tight. There was a time when I was fun. I was funny. I was. But you can't be funny and be the, the principal of a prep school. No, you cannot. Because when it comes to their kids, these parents, they have no sense of humor. No, and, and if anything goes wrong, it's my head, all right? It's my head in the smasher. These parents will come down on me like a nuclear bomb. I can't make a mistake. I gotta be perfect. And that pressure has turned me into one thing that I never wanted to be. No, you're yes. not. Yes, I am. I am a big one. These overzealous parents are not only ruining their own kids' lives, they're ruining the principal and teacher's lives and all this stuff. And yeah. it's really up to people like Jack Black to shake it up and get everyone to start living again. Yeah, start having fun. Shortly thereafter, while they're hanging out in class, Zach, the guitar player, he reveals that he has a song that he's written. Yeah, this is a big, shocking revelation. And this is the part where the audience just falls in love with Dewey and Jack Black. Just his enthusiasm for Zach's song. His biggest supporter right off the bat in a way that Zach's dad would never be. I feel like it kind of marks a change for him, too, because it was all about him at one point. (laughs) Yeah. Like, the band was just there to support him. Are you saying that his character grows a little bit? I think there might be shades of that if we look. Yeah, because sort of the unspoken part of the movie, although I guess Dewey does sort of explain it in one way or another. The kids can't really fight back or talk back, like being in a band with his peers. That's right. In other words, he has full creative control in charge of the direction, every aspect of the band, and that's something that he's obviously wanted. My version of this movie would be I also got kicked out of this band. <laughs> As an adult. That's right. Yeah, the kids, everyone took a vote. <laughs> Dewey's plan is to trick Mullins with a field trip ruse. And he's like, all right, I'm going to take the kids out on this field trip. And he's trying to convince Mullins that it's a good idea, even though he's just a substitute teacher. Seems like in reality, it would take a lot more than just saying you're going on a field trip. You'd have to prove things and, you know, there'd be a lot more details involved, but whatever. So, yeah, particularly at this school. Just so happens, though, that parents night will take place the day before the big battle of the bands. Do we? wasn't going to go originally, which I thought was (laughs) funny. He is a sub. He's like, well, I wasn't planning on going. And she's like, well, you have to go. Which, yeah, it is insane that they make him present to the parents like what is going on in the class. I don't know. It just seems like a little extreme. So realizing he has to go, 
he's going to actually drive with Mullins. Well, she's insistent on him going, but I feel like it's weird how kind of open she is about how, like, you almost have this calming presence for me. So this is what you were thinking as far as, like, a romantic comedy. It seems like a weird thing to just throw at someone without it being romantic. Fair enough. Although... He is the agent of change. That's true. And so if her, if she's going to unwind and relax it's and not bringing be so her, uptight. Yeah, like when he's around, it, it, it brings her back to her Stevie Nicks days a little bit. <laughs> Although I was like, what actually like went down at that Christmas party? It seems like it was like a lot worse than what these <laughs> teachers were willing to say in this room. Just making out on a copy machine. I think so. I think there was some stuff going down. It was like a diehard Christmas party. <laughs> It wasn't even a Christmas party, by the way. It was like yeah. an alumni party. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> even wilder. Later, while Dewey prepares for parents' night, Ned receives a paycheck from the school via mail, and Dewey's forced to tell him what he's been doing. He begs Ned not to tell Patty. <laughs> he just knows that that will be the end of oh, us all. Oh, yeah, right. Although you can tell by Ned's face that he's probably not going to be able to do it. Oh, I think he cracks any time something comes up. Dewey then tries to come clean to Mullins before actually going inside to Parents' Night, but she doesn't understand what he's telling her. He's like, I'm not really a teacher. She's like, yes, you are. <laughs> You're great. She's not always picking up on cues, I would say. That, well, that continues to be a th- how would you pick up on this? Well, yeah. Although, then again, he look I at his I, van I, that he's in. Right, I'd know it from day one. I'd be like, you're not someone that we can let in you this school. You put three E's into your own last That's name. Right. <laughs> Before panicking and erasing it. Now, Ned, he'd have to be like, dude, this is like over the line, though. He kind of is, but yeah. he's just too right. He's submissive. Like, that's true. Dewey's such a dominant personality. Yeah. You just sort of have to get out of his way. But honestly, when it does all come crashing down during his presentation to the parents, it's almost a relief in a way. He's so flailing at this. Oh, yeah. Under any kind of scrutiny or pressure, he doesn't know what to say. He's listing a million subjects that he's teaching them, like six languages. Right. Says math several times. (laughs) He's bringing up the idea of teacher-student confidentiality as if that's a real (laughs) thing. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, math, English, uh, what, science, what else, uh, geography, history, Latin, Spanish, French, Latin, uh, math, did I say that right? Anyway, you know, just all the stuff you want your kids to know, it's been covered, okay? So, it was great to meet y'all, and, uh, Drive safe. Excuse me. Ever since you started teaching here, all my son can talk about is music. He says when he grows up, he wants to be a musician. That's right. Is this your influence? Yeah, well, Mr. Schneebly, why has my daughter become obsessed with David Geffen? How is this? Homework? Okay. See, I would like to tell you about what we've been doing in here, but there's such a thing as teacher-student confidentiality, and I don't want to be in breach of educational law, because... I could be dismembered by the teacher's union. So. You expect us to believe this garbage? I... Mr. S, don't you think you should just tell them about the project? What project? Our class project. Every school in the state is competing. Competing? It's not till next quarter, but Mr. S wanted us to get a head start. Well, what's a project, Summer? It's prestigious. A women go on a permanent record, Mom. 
You might as well tell them, Mr. Schneebly. Okay, look. I've gotten to know your kids over the past few weeks, and they are awesome. Zach is an insane guitarist. He's the next Hendrix, and he's 10 years old. And Gordon here, he's a genius. He did a whole professional light show on his computer in three days. And, um, and, and, and Marta here, she's, 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 she can hit an A above high C. Did you know that? Because that's tough. Not many singers can do that. And, and uh, 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 Summer, Summer is going to be the first woman president of the United States of America, and she could run later this year even, and I would vote for her. Look, you guys, they're just all really cool kids. And if they were mine, I would be so proud. And I am proud just to even know them. And, um, sir, can I see you in the hall for a moment? Can I just, let me just say a couple more things. What's going on? What's happening, officer? Apparently, that man is not Ned Schneebly. What? What? This man is Ned Schneebly. Yeah, he's not even a teacher. You called the cops? She did. She got it out of me. Sorry. You're apologizing to him? Sorry. Ned. Ned, is, is this true? Who are you? My name is Dewey Finn. And no, I'm not a licensed teacher but I have been touched by your kids. And I'm pretty sure I've touched them. What? Oh my God! The whole ordeal is halted when Ned, Patty, Mullins, and the police arrive. Oh boy. Patty is the one who called the police. And Dewey comes clean. This is a rough scene to Mullins and the parents. The parents are, like, freaking out. And then there's some miscommunication with a touching comment where he's you like, I've think... touched your kids, and I'm pretty sure oh, your yeah. kids touch me. Which is obviously played for laughs, but I don't know that this is something they'd be joking about. If I, this think, movie you can, came I think you can do the joke like that now. Okay. I, th- I think it if it... Still okay. It still checks out. Yeah. I mean, it's The so reality clearly... is, though, he would be in jail, and this movie would just be over. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what he's saying is so clearly innocuous, but... And that's like the joke. I mean, that these people take this to be yeah serious. Well, I just think like impersonating this other person. I guess it would be up to Ned to press charges in that sense. But the fact that he's interacting with children inappropriately, he would at least be arrested for yeah. trespassing, and then also potentially some sort of fraud or endang- child endangerment. Especially if they found out about taking them out of the school. It just seems like he's at least I would say, yeah, gonna spend this night in jail. There's some trouble here, I would say. It is almost of a Christopher Lloyd Camp Nowhere type situation. <laughs> yeah, instead there's no arrest and he sort of runs away from so the school. So what were the cops doing there then? Just escorting him off the premises? I guess. They have to leave it sort of vague, you yeah. know. Because obviously we're we don't working want... towards a climax. Yeah, here. and we really don't want him going to jail as part of this movie. Yeah, the movie's like an hour and 50 minutes. That's enough. Yeah. This doesn't need to be anymore. Back at the apartment, Dewey and Patty clash once again. Ned intervenes, but he also tells Dewey that he needs to move out. And so it seems like all of this is for naught. His original idea was just to get money by substitute teaching. And then his idea is like, well, I could win the Battle of the Bands. These kids are great. Well, by the way, Ned ends up getting the paycheck anyway. <laughs> Which is kind of, that's what, you know, yeah. spoils everything, but it's like he couldn't even get that right. It doesn't really make sense either because initially they're like, you need to have this rent money in a week. Yeah. 
But then his paycheck is clearly for two weeks. It doesn't seem like he has the money within a week. I don't well, know. Well, you know, but they're always letting him slide a little bit. I guess. Yeah, because he is telling them that he's working. They just don't know what the deal is. The next morning, though, while all of the parents are freaking out in Mullen's office, the kids decide to not let their hard work go to waste. They board a bus, which is, I guess, still arrived for this field trip that's no longer going to be happening. Because the bus driver's <laughs> no like, where's it. Mr. Schneebly? Yeah, that's and true. Summer's just like, well, we got to pick him up. And the bus driver's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me where to turn. Ain't my job. They head off to get Dewey. This is while all the parents are distracted. And then the new substitute teacher discovers that the kids are missing. She then informs Mullins. There's sort of a hilarious moment where she leaves the room and then she comes back and she's like, I have an announcement. All of your kids are missing. (laughs) (laughs) This is insane. Because as we were sort of alluding to and getting to at the beginning, this is like at the beginning of the school day because the substitute is just showing up, I guess. Don't you feel like this parent group would have like tried to make a play to get like Mullins fired or whatever for allowing this dude well, yeah, to come to but the school? I was saying that this is like the Battle of the Bands is happening at like nine in the morning. No, I know. But yeah, I mean, obviously the fallout from this event I, I, is gonna I, I, be felt this, for years. This event, yeah, is insane. It's starting in the morning for rock music, like rock bands competing with each other for twenty thousand dollars. And yet, it also seems like the School of Rock is the last band playing. Right. Well, maybe it's like Woodstock. And you this know? is like it a, went all night. This is a weekday, right? I mean, this is a school day. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It looks like it's fully booked. Yet the parents are still able to get tickets. But I mean, the the house is packed, as they say. Yeah. There's a lot of holes if you examine School of Rock too closely. Yeah, which we don't want to do that. The school bus comes to pick up Dewey. I think Freddie and someone else maybe zach i don't remember they come in and wake him up the kids want to rock fed up with constantly being bulldozed by patty ned finally stands up for himself by going to see the show see this also doesn't make sense it does seem like a weekday because they were in school the kids and yet ned and that's right patty are just like arriving home in the morning together i don't know it doesn't all add up ned finally stands up for himself by deciding to go see the show and thus presumably breaking up with Patty by closing the door on her. Not explicitly, but So then it's just implicitly. like, all right, is Dewey moving back in? Yes, as we find yeah. out. <laughs> Somehow, Mullins and the parents know exactly where they are. I, I don't know how they know where this place is. They seem to get there pretty quickly. There's not a whole lot of confusion about it. Well, this is the only battle of the bands going It <laughs> starts on. at 7 yeah. in the morning and ends at 10 it in the morning. It has to be this place. <laughs> but they're too late. The kids are already backstage. They're about to go on. When we first arrive there, no vacancy is on the stage. And I would describe their style as sort of a cross between Nickelback and the band Fuel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In other words, not great. Oh, I was going to say <laughs> and already, awesome. Already sort of dated feeling by 2003. Sure. Although I guess Nickelback was hey, like Yeah, Nickelback for a was while. thriving. Yeah, well, that, I guess that does make sense. It's hard to remember. Yeah. Oof. Not a great era. No, but Nickelback did have like a long run. Yeah. So in other words, I would say that they're the most corporate rock imaginable. They're complete sellouts. Sure. They're supposed to be bland and uninteresting. Backstage, Dewey wants to play Zach's song, and the band yeah, agrees. Like changing the script right before going on stage. Summer points out, like, hey, this is the one that's been practiced the least. Are you sure? They take a vote on it. Everyone's in. It's the right move because I think it psychs them up. 
This is one of our, our songs. And this is just, it's just great. They go out there. My only complaint is watching it on TV or, you know, on the Blu-ray on a TV. I wish it was louder right at the beginning. It needs to be a little bit like more in your yeah. face, like the opening of the song. It, it kicks into gear eventually, but. I will say though, even the way they shoot it, it's way more of a spectacle than anything else has been in this movie, you know? Yeah. The camera's moving around a lot. Like, it is a show. Yeah, because even though the other kids aren't actually in the band, I mean, they put together, like, a light show. They have, like, a thing on the screen behind them. one kid is just pissed because he's got to change the whole thing. Yeah, it's like, we're changing the song. He's just going to have to improv. Yeah, they have, like, lights and smoke effects. I mean, it's like a whole production. It's weird that this is a battle of the bands where you only play one song. It's like Metallica, like, pyro, and, like, somebody's face gets caught on fire. (laughs) But think about it. Has there ever been a battle of the bands that you've either been a part of or attended where they only play one song? This doesn't even make sense because no, it takes fact, so long to set up each band. So in other words, and they play one song. I can tell you, I mean, obviously uh, I, I never played in any bands that had any degree of success, but like just being in that circle a little bit, I never attended a battle of the bands. I think I did like maybe once or something. I, I just don't. We had them at school. Okay. Did your school not have a Battle of the Bands? Not that I remember. Yeah, they were like kind of a big deal. Although, for the longest time, like one of the rules was you only needed to have like one student attend Shaler. So you'd have oh, like, wow. yeah, you'd have like somebody in 11th grade and there'd be like 25 year olds and it, it got real sad. Yeah, that is. That's rough. A bunch of losers trying to get a life. <laughs> as, <laughs> as one teacher described it <laughs> one time. <laughs> We definitely had some teachers during retirement in high school that were not afraid to just, just let, let shit you know on anything and everything. <laughs> Be sarcastic. I love it. It was pretty funny.
So they go out on stage, they play Zach's song, they tear it up, Dewey has a solo, Zach has a solo. The most surprising part of the performance might be Tamika, which we didn't even know had a vocal solo come out and just oh, like yeah. tear the house down. Just belting. You can see all of their parents, you know, oh. reacting positively, like being like, oh, wow. It's almost like the end of Cool Runnings. <laughs> <laughs> just a slow clap. Yeah. <laughs> Mullins is one over, the crowd is one over, the crowd's loving it, but then out of nowhere, it's almost like Bad News Bears, No Vacancy wins the Battle of Bands, much to the chagrin of the audience. <laughs> I do love Jack Black's reaction here, though. <laughs> no! Boo! There is one guy in the audience that's like fucking losing oh, it when No Vacancy wins. Yeah. He's like, whoa! Yeah! <laughs> that's like maybe the funniest thing. It's just one random dude. Who loves No Vacancy. That's right. It's like if we were on like a battle of the podcast, like Bell would be like the one dude for us. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He'd be like, <laughs> if we won. That's right. The crowd chants for School of Rock, demanding an encore. And they go out there and they launch into It's a Long Way to the Top if you want to rock and roll, which transitions into them playing it in the apartment, which has now been converted into an after-school program for learning about rock and playing in rock. Yeah, where did he get the capital to start this business? Well, it's in the apartment. Yeah, okay. Doesn't seem like there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Ned's might involved. Might be like a permit issue there. Ned teaches the little kids how to play instruments and then like the slightly older kids. It does seem like a little weird that parents are just like, let's let all, our, all of our children go to this apartment where there's two men. That's right. <laughs> Neither really, I mean, particularly successful because I mean, even Ned, it's like, Still just subbing. Well, now he's doing this. Yeah. <laughs> the School of Rock. Yeah, it's great. It's a great ending. All of the kids are adorable. They all are great and super talented. You love the kids. You love the interactions with Jack Black. As we've gone over countless times in this podcast, Jack Black just chef's kiss. That's right. Perfect Steals casting. The yeah. There's only one person who could effectively do this. And it all works. And it's... You know, it's a great success story that this movie was this big hit. There was talk of doing a sequel. They wanted to get all of the principal people involved between Linklater, White, and Black. It never really quite came together. They couldn't really agree on a direction for it. I think there was some version of it where they would be like touring the country or something. Oh, wow. I don't know. What do you do with it? The idea yeah. of a sequel seems hard to figure out. It is rare though because this was definitely the height of like anything over a hundred million was oh, getting right. a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> and it just never happened and they turned it into those other iterations of it. But if they were going to bring it back, which I think it's too late now, but if they were going to, it's one of those things where I think a studio would come in and they'd be like, Well, we don't need the original kids. We just need Jack Black. And I think that's like a huge mistake. Right off the bat, I think you need to have the original people oh, like because in their thirties. This is gonna. This is. I'm ramping up. Yeah, yeah. To a rant. Okay. The new Mighty Ducks show on Disney Plus is coming out soon. It might even be out. I don't know. 
It's coming out. So Emilio Estevez is in it. The chick from Gilmore Girls is in it. Those are like the stars of the show. Okay. And the whole premise is the Ducks have become like the new Hawks. They're like the two good team. Oh, no. And they cut people, and then they got to get Bombay involved to help with like the losers that get cut from this team. Pretty good premise, okay, right? Okay, all right. So he's not going to coach the Ducks then? No, no. I think he gets involved to be like... District 5. To help the... I don't know. I yeah. don't know for sure, but that, that's what it seemed like to me. I was like, oh, so like none of the original kids are in this. This is stupid. Then I see Entertainment Weekly tweet out this thing about how like the big duck reunion with like the original players is in one episode, like episode six or something. Okay. And I was like, if Connie Moreau is not a main player, then Connie Moreau is one of the people. It's not all of the people, but it's like Fulton. (laughs) Gosh. Kenny Wu. I'm guessing Goldberg isn't in it or are things kind of back on track for him. I don't think Goldberg's in it, but I don't know. I think like Guy Moreau, Adam Banks, Connie, Fulton, Kenny Wu might be the only one who's like a D2 only. Oh, wow. No Julie the Cat? No. No Julie the Cat, unfortunately. Or no Keenan. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, no but I was like, so the the point is one episode. Why? Isn't that what we want? Like, why do we care about the new kids? But, you know, that's how they're trying to appeal to new kids, obviously. And yeah, yeah. They're not really factoring in like the whole point of doing these nostalgic revivals is to try to get the people interested who used to be into this but whatever so if they were to do a new school of rock for me i would want the original kids or my interests would start to wane i'd be like i don't care about new children now yeah you say that although the the new bug juice season that's that's different that's okay. real life yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the real shit yeah and that took some time to win me over. I love Mighty Ducks. I just feel like there's no way they can recapture it either. Uh, I want like a gritty <laughs> Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Where like the problems of a Goldberg might reflect reality. Well, the first Mighty Ducks <laughs> is kind of gritty. I mean, there's yeah. drinking and driving. He's trying to teach the kids how to cheat and take falls. Yeah, there's like gross stuff with like dog shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it does seem like kind of a, an era of Disney that seems so foreign to That's now. That's right, yeah. That they would never have anything like that. Even in like their PG-13 Marvel movies, they don't even stray in that direction. Yeah, there's ever. no dog shit in Marvel movies. <laughs> Except the movies themselves. Yeah, really. Folks, <laughs> these are the jokes. We're out of time. <laughs> no, but that's what I mean. You know, I think they did have a big window. I think they could have got away with a sequel up until 2015, 2016, like as recently as five years ago. But it's been five years, I think, since that window's closed. I just don't see any way that this would happen now. It would have had to come to be when they were like doing that whole reunion thing. Yeah. Which do you want to talk about that since you watched it recently? I don't know if there's much to say other than it's just like. Other than there's been almost as much time since that reunion. (laughs) As there was between the original That's and the exactly reunion what itself. Be said. Yeah, no, but I mean, just so much joy. This this group getting back together. They're playing yeah, the song great. from the end credits again. Like unlike the Secret World of Alex Mack reunion that we oof, talked about during that oof, episode, which yeah. was hard to watch. The School of Rock reunion, which did have Jack Black, most of the kids, and Mike White and Richard Linklater. Like every- they were just having so much fun too. Yeah. Yeah. They were playing songs like it was a concert and everything, right. which means they probably had to like get together and practice yeah, for a while. Uh, yeah, they showed them like rehearsing and stuff. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it just it fills you with just the kind of joy that's so rare these days. Really? <laughs> yeah, and that's good enough in a way. Granted, the kids who don't really have acting careers didn't get paid, probably, but... Well, you're always going to have that, though. So it's not quite as good as a second movie, sure. but that is sort of the sequel that we would want as fans of the original. I think so. All right, so that does it for School of Rock, a fun movie. If you haven't seen it before or you want to revisit it, like I said, I think it's on HBO Max right now. Is that where you watched it? Yes, it is. So check it out. It's just one of those things where if you have a prejudice against it, if you're, I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are a little younger than us, so if you come along later, it seems like a kid's movie. I always used to associate it with Schoolhouse Rocks. Do you remember that? Uh, yes. And it's there is like a little reference in there whenever... During when he's doing the math song and he finally agrees with Marta that it's nine and he's like, and it's a magic number. That's right. Which feels like the only reference to Schoolhouse Rocks. Yeah, but it thing. does. I mean, it, for those of us from that era, it elicits that thought, just the title. Yeah, because I used to have that Schoolhouse Rock CD where like bands were on it. I think like Blind Melon did oh, wow. Magic yeah. Number or something. So you're talking like a long time ago that was recorded. Anyway, folks. <laughs> School of Rock, check it out. It's more fun than you think if you haven't seen it. It's just a feel-good movie. Absolutely, really. yeah. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. So let's get to recommendations. I'll go first, since I usually make you go first. Okay. Mine is going to be a movie that I talked about on one of my solo Give Us a Seconds, wow. which it's hard to believe were almost a year ago. That, that is that crazy. Happened. Yes, I know. <laughs> what a year it's been in COVID hell. <laughs> but since a lot of people probably didn't actually listen to those or listen to all of them once they realized it was just me alone in a room rambling. Uh, it's not that much different from the regular yeah, episodes. That's true. But anyway, I'm going to recommend a movie I talked about in the second one where I did a million recommendations because I just rewatched it the other day. It's a little picture from the 90s called The Day Trippers. Oh, hell yeah. Directed by Greg Matola, who would, people would know as the director of Adventureland and right. Super Bad. This was like his first feature, I think. Seems right. 90s indie. Just. One of those definitive 90s indie movies. True. It just feels like the 90s. It's so great. Well, I had gotten the Criterion, too, and I remember you saying to me after you watched it that there was like almost no way that I wouldn't like the Day Trippers. Yeah. That's how you framed it. And yeah, dead on. I do. I, I love but I would, it. I would say that about almost anyone. I just yeah. feel like it's a very likable movie to yes, me. Yes, yeah. But in terms of style, I would say that's very much up my alley. It stars Parker Posey, Leah Schreiber, Stanley Tucci, Hope Davis... And Mira, a few other people. It's a pretty simple story, a tight 90 minutes. You can watch this right now on HBO Max or the Criterion channels if you have that streaming service. It's also on Criterion Blu-ray, which is what I watched it on. Now, I know we do this all the time, and it gets like super embarrassing and annoying, but I was crushing so hard on Hope Davis watching this again. Oh yeah. That I was almost like unable to look at the screen. I was like <laughs> blushing. <laughs> Getting butterflies. I, just, I was like, man, I just was like, she's so beautiful. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil anything in the movie, but you're just like so frustrated for her. You're like, oh, how could this be happening to her? <laughs> Parker Posey is great too, but she's oh, always know. great. She is always great. Hope Davis like should, I mean, she's had a consistent career. She's still in stuff now, but like, 
you know, she should have had a bigger career. More should have happened opinion. for. Yeah. I think like I don't know. She's she was in like American Splendor. I think she was in like Schenectady. Oh, okay. Or however you pronounce that. Yeah. The uh, Charlie Kaufman thing. Uh, Schenectady, I think. Right. Just in love with her. I love the movie. Perfect vibe. Check it out. HBO Max. The Day Trippers. Okay, my recommendation this week: a movie that's I've been wanting to watch for probably ten years, but not not something that I was crazy chasing down. But it was just one that. Back in that era when it came out, which was like 2011, I would hear people talk about it on podcasts. Like, people really liked it when it came out. I think it's kind of forgotten now, but streaming on Hulu right now, (laughs) Attack the Block. Now, when I started watching it, like, right away, I'm like, this feels exactly like an Edgar Wright movie. And this dude that directed it, Joe Cornish, seems to have ties to to him and that crew. He definitely had ties to Shaun of the Dead and I think Hot Fuzz, maybe. But it, it feels very similar to an Edgar Wright movie but it is a fun time and that dude from star wars is in it john boyega or however you say his name um he's in it so i I don't know finally watched it and it's it's pretty cool and uh yeah it's streaming on hulu now so check it out attack the block i believe i watched that back when it came out or it came out on blu-ray or dvd or whatever i honestly don't remember much of it though was it something to do with aliens it is aliens yeah i hope that isn't like a major spoiler no, the movie starts off with them. Okay. And it's just like, the, it's just kids fighting aliens. That's the premise. Yeah, yeah. I kind of remember watching it. But it's yeah. it's fun. All right, so we're out of time. Let's remind everyone, follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts to our humble podcast. Tell your friends. Give us a rating and review. That's not just something we say. Please do that. <laughs> Especially if it's going to be positive. We oh, love yeah. to read the positive reviews. If you like the show, if not, just don't listen anymore. You don't need to give us a negative Yeah, you can be the light in someone else's darkness. That's true. Particularly us. (laughs) There's a lot of darkness here. Really? (laughs) Our most joyous times of the week is when we're on mic. Everything else is just a shit show. And even then, it's not a lot of joy. (laughs) Especially when the equipment craps out halfway through. Anyway, follow us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby. Let us know if you want a sticker. We have a couple of listener requests coming up in May, I believe. That's true. We'll get to them. So if you want a listener request, we are still taking them. You might just get pushed down the schedule, which I think is a way to keep people interested. Like, hey, yeah, we'll do this for you, but you have to keep listening for a few more months at least. I feel like it would be a way to keep them interested. I don't know if it's working, but... Theoretically. Yes. Yeah, there is a way where they can just see what we upload and then, you know, choose to not download it until it's the one they want. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people are playing that game. Yeah. Anyway, I think that covers just about everything. So thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.
TV, HIV, spooky vaginosis, sinning with your naked bod is evil and atrocious. Math is a wonderful thing. Math is a really cool thing. So get off your ass, let's do some math. Math, 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 math. Three minus four is... Negative one. That's right. And six times a billion is... Six billion? Nailed it. And 54 is a 45 more than what is the answer, Marta? Nine. No, it's eight. No, it's nine. Yes, I was testing you. It's nine. And that's a magic number. <laughs>